Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to welcome you, especially if it's your first time today. We're in the middle of a message series entitled... Well, that's all those guys ever talk about. And uh, if you're visiting with us, um, uh, yes, it is true. Many times you go into church and a, a pastor will talk about money or giving uh, all the time, or at least that's what you think happens all the time. And if today is your first time at Ocean View, well, go ahead. You, you can go and call us out. You know, that's all they ever talk about. Um, but I shared this last week and I'll share it this week. Um, in the lifetime, I've been here six years at the church. And in six years, I have never done a message series on money. Um, In fact, I could probably count on this hand the amount of times that I've uh, taught a message on money. And for that, I apologize. And the reason why is we looked at last uh, week, we saw um, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of passages of Scripture that related to resources or money. In fact, Jesus Christ taught more on money by a long shot than any other topic uh, that he taught about. And so what we said was, as, as pastoral staff, is if Jesus talked about this, then we need to do a really good job as pastors of allowing God to speak through us to be able to communicate what his truth says with regards to how to live a generous life. And so last week we talked, we didn't even talk about giving. Last week we talked about what it meant to live a life of generosity, the way that God expects us to. Did you know that God expects you to be a a, a conduit of his message, of his truth, of his generosity, that we are to live lives trusting him and as we trust him, that all that he is and, and, and can do flows in and through us here on this earth. So we said the next four weeks, last week we talked about what it means to live a life of generosity. Today, we're going to talk about giving and we're going to unpack it all. And we're going to really look at what God says about giving, not out of guilt, but out of what his goodness is. And then next week, for those of you that might fall into uh, debt and you might have be under the crushing blow of debt, we're going to talk practically of what God, what does God say? And then how we can help to be able to help move you out of debt so that you can do more of all that God wants you to do. And then finally, we're going to talk about what it means to grow, that being wise stewards of what God has given us to be able to grow and to be able to give back and to be able to see, make sure that we have a future here on earth. So in order to kick this off, today we're going to talk about giving. And here's my promise to you. If you're you're not a Christian in this room, you're going to learn what God really says, not just what Pastor Terry says, but you're going to actually look in Scripture. And I'm going to do my best. If you don't know much about the the Bible or Scripture, I'm going to do my best to explain why is it that churches, um, you know, kind of pass plates? Why is it that uh, we talk about tithing? What is that? Is it, is it New Testament? Is it Old Testament? We're going to talk about all that today uh, to make sure that at least you can leave this room knowing what God expects of all of us from his truth. And in order to do that, we got to start in one place. And that is Psalm 24.1. And I want to read this to you. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. And right off the bat, I, I want to tell you something. If you don't get this point, And if you don't allow this to resonate and you don't really receive this, and if you disagree with this point, then go ahead and take a nap for the next 25 minutes because the rest of the message is going to fall flat. Because as Christians, we have to start with understanding that the earth is God's. And everything in it, our lives, our resources, everything that we have is His. 
And so if we can approach our lives, if parents, if we can begin to teach our kids that whatever money they earn, whatever job they have, whatever car they drive, whatever house they live in, that is all God's and we are blessed by his hand to be able to have these things. If you can live a life understanding that, then you are going to be well ahead of the game, so to speak. And one of the saints of our faith, his name was Martin Luther, and you've heard him in history. He has a famous statement, and I I say it all the time because it's profound. And he talks about what it means to be a Christian. And he says there are conversions in our life that have to happen for us to truly be called a Christian, a child of God. And I want to show it to you. Here's what he said. He said there are three conversions necessary for the Christian life. The conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. First, Martin Luther says, For everyone in here that has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's because our hearts broke, that we understand we have a God-sized hole that only God himself can fill, that we recognize there is a gap, that we need a Savior in our life. And for all of the Christians in this room or watching online, we realize that our hearts were broken and there was a conversion of our hearts. And then when that happened, something happened to our minds, right? Because we realize that Jesus Christ is not just God, but his word, the Bible, is truth. And we start to all of a sudden read and in our mind we start to intake that which is true and we start to then follow Christ in the way we live our lives, the way we make our choices because in our minds we say, no, 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 this is truth and I'm not going to do this and I'm going to do this. There's a conversion of heart, there's a conversion of mind. But then he goes on to say there has to be a conversion of our wallets or our purses. And the reason why he says this is if we are truly an extension and everything is God's and everything in it, then we don't own anything, that everything's God. And how we use our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, how we use that will show others as to whether we are, in fact, Christians. The conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. So in order to begin, everything is God's. And we're going to start in the Old Testament, and we're going to go through... What does God expect of us as Christians? If you're not a Christian, watch and pay really close attention. This is the expectation of God. And we're going to start in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10. Here we go. He said, bring all the tithes, and tithe is a tenth, a 10%, into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now pause. Here's what God basically says. So look, in, in all the things, look, what I bless you with is mine. And if you can understand that, that I'm the giver, that I'm going to continue, I'm the author of blessing. And so if you can finally understand that whatever you have that you don't hold on to, instead you realize whatever I have, God, wherever you show me, I'm going to go ahead and give it. And so if you could take it and give back to what God is and who he is and what he expects, then what God will do is he will just continue to bless you. That you'll never be able to outgive God. In fact, he says this, your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall far from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations, don't miss this, all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Did you know this, Christian? This isn't even my notes. But did you know this? That if you live your life in such a way where you say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, do you not think that God wants to do incredible work in your life to show others who don't believe in him that there's something amazing about God, right? Isn't that true? So why wouldn't God honor his word 
that if you trust him and in the midst of what culture says, no, 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 whatever you got, you know, you store, it's yours, it's yours. If you lived a life that says, you know what, when I see a need or whatever God expects, I'm going to bless and bless abundantly because I believe that God is the giver and he can pour out to me. If you live a life that way, you're going to not only turn heads in your neighborhoods, in your family, they're going to look at you and say, why? I had that happen once. I had family members find out that I tithe and they're like, you're crazy. You're nuts. How could you do this? And I've preached funerals for some of those family members who at the end of their life said, you know, Tara, I've watched the way that you've lived your life and I believe in who that God is and I want him as my God. When you live a life that way, it's amazing how it will turn heads and inspire others to Christ. So when God says, if you trust me in this, then I will show others how incredible I am. You're just a conduit of what God wants to do. So there's something special about giving, isn't there? God has a plan with it. In fact, a friend of mine um, who works for moneywise.org, he's the, uh, the radio host for the show, He once wrote um, five different aspects of what giving does for us. Because I know right off the bat, we think giving, Pastor Terry is going to talk about giving money to the church, and it's just all about what the church can get. No, no, no. We're going to start by saying, if you start giving, what does giving do for your life? So number one, giving calibrates us to the heart of God, the ultimate giver. Giving calibrates us to the heart of God, the ultimate giver. When we start to give, we start to reflect. Don't miss this. You can go to sleep after this. If you get this, then you're good. When you start giving, you start to reflect the image of God. Don't miss this. I'm going to say it again. When you start giving, you start reflecting the image of God. Why? Because God gave us everything, didn't he? God gave us his most prized possession in his son to pay the price for us so that we can be in eternity. And so when we start treating life as if, well, if God gave us everything and everything is his, then God, I'm going to look to honor you by looking for ways in which to give. When you start doing it, calibrate your heart to the greatest giver. Number two, giving breaks the power of money. Do you know the number one cause for divorce in this country? Money. The stress of money. And that has power, doesn't it? It causes more arguments, more fights. It destroys. Now, here's the thing. Money by itself is not evil or sinful. The abuse of it is. God intends for money to be used because it's his to be able to bless others and to do good. But when we don't honor his principles, it has power over us. And it can seek and to destroy. So when you start giving, you start releasing the power that money has on your marriage, on your home, and with your kids. Number three, giving allows us to participate with God in his work. Henry Blackaby once said this, you know, we, we're asking the wrong question at times. You've heard this, right? Where many of us, we sit there, okay, I'm praying. You pray for me. I just want to know what God's will is. I just want to know what God's will is. I just want to know the decision to make. So I want to know what God wants me to do. And Blackaby finally looks all of us in the face and says, You're wasting time, Christian. God is at work all around you. Stop sitting there and saying, God, what's your will? God's will is all over. So stop wasting time sitting there and doing nothing and start taking steps of faith and trusting in God. And so when you start giving, it allows you to be a part of what God's doing because God's giving all over this community, isn't he? And when you start participating, oh, you receive the blessings of God. Number four, 
Giving binds our heart to God's work. It binds our heart to God's work. I, I, I wrote this down for myself, and I didn't share this in the first service. I'll share it with you. On a scale of 1 to 10 right now, when it comes to your spending, scale of 1 to 10, 10 always, 1 never. When you spend, how much do you invite God to be a part of it? Think about that. With every financial decision you make on a scale of 1 to 10, how much does God play into the decision you make, scale of 1 to 10? 10 being always, 1 being never. And that tells us when we start to invite God into his resources and start praying about how we're to use them and how we're to spend them, it binds our hearts to what God is doing. And this is biblical. I want to bring you to Matthew 6:19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But he said, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. If your treasure is, God, it's yours. I want to honor you and I want to live a life of generosity and I want to be able to leave a lasting legacy, then the desires of your heart will follow that treasure. If your treasure is the actual treasure, remember last week we held on to the money rope? If your treasure is more resources, more money for me because I don't trust anyone or anything, I know I can trust this. And as long as I have a lot of it in this life, then I'm going to be okay. When you live a life like that, all of your decisions are based on what? You. Remember we said self last week? Every decision is more, more, more. Now, Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You can be a great godly person and fall in the trap of self. I think some of us, we look and say, yeah, those evil people, all they think of themselves. No, 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 no. I think a lot of us fall into that self pattern where it feels good when our bank account grows. It feels good when we we have security. It feels good and we look to self. And when God says, hey, I want you to take a portion of that and I want you to give over here, I want you to bless over here, we go, yeah, but God, I just reached this goal and I'm being a wise steward. And I I sat there and I I reached this goal and and God, if I do this, it's gonna drop from this this pretty number right here, which I've wanted for a long time and it's gonna go below it and that feels like a loss and a failure. So I'm not gonna do it, God. That's self. Because who's the giver? God, who can take that number and bring it past the point? God. Here's number five. Giving should start today. Don't wait. Now I want to give you an illustration here. I almost ran it over when I was walking too much. I don't think the problem is, and, and, and hear this. I don't think the problem watching online or here on the floor, I don't think our problem is, is that we don't want to give. I, I want you to hear my heart. And when I'm looking at you, because giving messages, I'll be honest, for pastors, it's hard to preach this. Because I got a lot of you sitting there going, okay, I don't like this guy. He's, t- he's making me feel guilty. No, no, no. I don't think the problem is, I don't look at any of you or myself included and think that the problem is we don't want to give. I think every person, if there was a need and you could or thought you could, I think everyone in here as a Christian would say, I want to be able to do that. So I think, I think the problem is not that we don't want to give. I think we have a different problem. I'm going to illustrate it. My son Connor now, he's 12 years old, so we don't use these jars because we use them from about 5 to about 11. And then as he started getting older, we're teaching about bank accounts and electronic and everything else, and so we've moved away from these. But a lot of you as Christians know what these jars are, right? 
We say there's three categories to a Christian financial spending. This is as simple as I can do it. And, and what I did when Connor was probably about five years old, I took $10 because I'm really bad at math and it's easy to separate the $10, to be honest. How many of you have done that before? All right, we're going to give them $10. And they say, why are you giving them so much? Well, I can't do the math very well, so 10 easy. So I went in and took $10. I took 10 single dollar bills. And I said, all right, Connor, I said, I want to teach you about God and I want you to teach about money. I'm going to give you $10. And we'll start. And, and every good Christian parent, here's what we do. We start with this jar, don't we? And if you could zoom in, I don't know, guys, if you can get a picture of that. I'm going to let you zoom in. I won't move it, I promise. I don't know, I'm waiting. Let's see if you can. Oh, you got it? Okay, oh, there he is. You see that jar? Can you read it? We start with the giving jar, don't we? Now, why do we start with the giving jar? It's because as parents, don't we want our kids to think outside of themselves first, right? We want our kids to have the kind of character and heart that thinks of others. Selflessness, right? Every parent in this, I've never met a parent that says, I want to raise a selfish child, right? None of us in here, right? We said, no, no. I want to see in my child a selfless and sacrificial heart. So we start with giving and then we take $1, right? And we say, hey, of your $10, I want you, all you got to do for this charge, just give me one. And this, this is all that God, this is the minimum that God asked for you. It's just this dollar. Can you get, okay. And they put a dollar in. Then we go ahead and we go to the next jar because we want to teach them what it means to not burn a hole in their pocket, but to save, correct? And so we say, okay, all right, so now we take 10%. You took 10% and you gave it to God. Now I want you to take 10%, that's another dollar, and I want you to go ahead and I want you to put it in the savings jar. And I don't want you to touch that for a long time. We set a time period where they can save up for something. We say, okay, so we start with the giving jar, we go with the, with the savings jar. Then how many of us love it with our kids that when we introduce the spending jar, and then we give them the $8 and to see the joy on their face to go, I'd get all of this? Yes. All of that, all God requires is this and we encourage you to do this. He expects us to save and the rest, if you choose to, you can go ahead and spend. All of that God gave me? Yes, all of that God gave me. Wow, that's awesome. Why is it? Now don't miss me. I don't think we have a giving problem. I think we have an order problem. Don't miss this. Why is it that when our kids and when we are young, we're taught to live a life of generosity and that's what we want to see and that's the kind of life we want our kids to grow up in. Why is it then when we get older, we move things and switch things out of order? The beginning falls off the counter and we're left with savings and spending. Just watch commercials nowadays. You don't see Many commercials, unless a a tragedy happens, you don't see many commercials about giving, do you? You see saving and spending, but then watch what happens with our saving and spending. Here's what we do. So we drop giving and we go ahead and we put spending first and we put savings later. And the problem is, you and I both know it, many of us, There's way too much out there. We have to live like the Joneses. We have to live like culture. We need the newest car. We need to do this. And so we go ahead and we take all the spending money and we take How many of us, two-thirds of all Americans right now, don't have a spending plan, which means that they don't have a plan for when they retire. It's because they've gotten out of order and giving is not even in the picture. Now, with that being said, if we can choose to learn to start giving, we can live the life God wants. And so here, in order to break it up, because it's been heavy and I feel bad for you because a lot of you came in saying, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be a message on encouragement or a message to be a, and you got a message on giving. But here's the exciting thing. I think there are different types of givers. And just to have a little fun, let's take a look at the different types of givers that all of us maybe at one time have fallen into. Take a look at the screen. 
Give to God by enjoying what he has given me. Okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope. All right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fun left your funds, huh? Has your Dore me taken a W-A-L-K, huh? <laughs> what if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised, it's guaranteed. I know what you're saying, there's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. That's what it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me, give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this, he gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this. Up right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom. That's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom. That's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would... I would consider giving something, but not now's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now, it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life. Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. Hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer. That everyone could be like me. Now, we all laugh at that because some of us are like, yeah, I've been there before. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there before. It's true. 
here's the truth about giving. I think uh, just to take the weight out of the room. Um, I remember back in my early 20s, I struggled with giving. I remember I, I went through all of those. You know, I, I don't have enough, so God can't expect me um, to, to give because I don't have enough. And um, I even went through the, the point where I was, I was starting to give and, and I didn't like something that I'd heard that the pastor uh, had done or something that he said. And then I started getting negative and, and then I started, you know, nitpicking the pastor. And so then I stopped tithing and, uh, and I, I started doing that. And the truth of it is, I'll never forget, I had a friend who came to me and said, you know, um, Terry, let me get this straight. Tithe has nothing to do with a pastor. Tithe has really nothing to do with a church. Tithe has everything to do with your relationship in him. And so when you realize that, you know what, this tithe is, is nothing to do. It's not an act of, it's not an act of you do this and I do this. It's an attitude and a heart function between you and the Lord. It's amazing what freedom can come. I remember uh, at the age, I think I was early 20s, 23, 24, when all of a sudden I had learned that lesson. And I remember I took my spending plan back then. We called it budgets. If you were here last week, you know what I'm saying. I took my spending plan and I remember, and it was hard. It was hard to sit there and at the top is to go ahead and take my tenth and, and of my income. And to, it was difficult at that time to just go ahead and just put it down there um, because I didn't think I could do it. And that first month, I got to be honest, I was not a joyful giver. I was like, God, I was looking for everything that I could to blame God and everything else. But my wife today, she is buried deep in preschool world. She is helping out and serving and everything else. And um, you can test me on this. You can go up to my wife today and you can say, um, has God been faithful with your giving? And because we had many times when we just had a baby and we would look down the, the few months and we would see the bills coming and, and I would look and I'd just be like, Jennifer, I, I just, I don't know how we're going to make it, but we're going to trust. And I'll tell you every single time where we did not see how God could deliver us or to be able to take care of us, we cut, we cut, we cut. God, every single time showed us that if you trust me in this, I will bless you and bless you immensely. So we're going to take just a few moments, and here's what I like to do. I think there are four different categories of giving that we all, depending on where you're at in your life, we need to take. Not, maybe not all at once, but we need to all take them. And I think there's different categories. There's different, I think many of you, you give faithfully every week, and you're saying, amen, Pastor Terry, amen, Pastor Terry. There are some of you who are sitting there, and you just want to get out of here as quick as you can. I get it. So depending on where you're at, I want you to look at these steps, and I want you to ask God, God is this the step that I need to take starting today? I don't necessarily expect you to take all four because I don't think some of you are ready for that. But if you find yourself in a position, I'm going to help lead you to a step that God would call you to. So for everyone in this room, if you are not tithing, if you are not doing what God says in scripture where he can pour out his blessings on you, then I want you to take this first step because I think there's a root. And step one is this. Decide to give because of good, not because of guilt. Decide to tithe because of good, not because of guilt. And I think that's the first step for all of us, is that God owns it all anyway. And so if our heart's not in it, that's what matters. If we give begrudgingly and we say, all right, I'm going to give my, and we do that, God knows our hearts. And so the action step is really more of here. It's all right, God, you own it all. 
it's all yours. And because I trust you and because I'm letting go of that money robe, today I'm going to say I'm going to begin to give because it's good, because you want to do good and you want to use me incredibly. And I'm going to choose to do that instead of guilt. And I will promise you, if you can do that today, your life will change immediately. In Proverbs 3, 9, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. I'm going to give you a biblical because sometimes you say, well, that's just what the pastor says, but it's not biblical. What he's talking about, this goes back to Old Testament. I'm going to get to New Testament. Old Testament. Individuals, they worked the land and they had farms. And what what that was about was, is when your crops come to harvest, when it's harvest time, that what the farmer was supposed to do is to go into his farmland and find the best, the best tenth of his crops. Not, Not the worst, Not that, well, you know, I probably won't get anything out of this anyway, and so I'm just going to give this to God. No, no, no. Find your best, and then you take the tenth of your best, and you go and you give it unto the Lord. Now, you might think, well, Terry, that's just one passage of Scripture. I want to show you how many times God talks about giving the best to good, not out of guilt. These are the the amount of Scriptures, and you can look them up on your own time, that speak of you giving out of your best not out of guilt, not out of drudgery, but God, because you're amazing and because you've blessed me, I'm going to choose to give out of good. If you have the Version Bible app, all these will be provided for you so you don't have to spend feverishly writing down. You can come later and you can ask for them if you want to do that. So right now, I want to give you a challenge too. I'm going to give this to you. If you're not tithing, I'm going to do a 90-day challenge with you. If you decide today and say, you know, Terry, and again, this is not about our church. This is about you, and this is about your heart and your commitment to the Lord. I'll give you 90 days. If you start tithing at the end of 90 days, if you don't see God do exactly what he said he's going to do and immeasurably bless your life in so many ways that you can't imagine, you contact the church. I will not shame you, and you can ask for your money back, and we'll give it to you. And I mean that in sincerity because we believe so much in this because I've seen it in my life that I know that if you participate and take a step of faith, I know that God will bless you. I know it. I know it in my heart. So for those of you not tithing, I want to encourage you to do that. For those of you that are tithing on a consistent basis, I want to encourage you something. And this is biblical and scriptural. I'm going to encourage you to automate the important. Automate your tithe. And let me tell you why this is important. Because Paul said we should. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church of Corinth and he's speaking about the church of Galatia. And the people were basically saying, hey, Paul, should we hold our tithe and wait till you come back so we can give it to you? Or should we just go ahead and give it on a consistent basis? And I want you to see what Paul says. Paul says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave the churches in Galatia. And here's what he says. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Paul basically says, get into a rhythm in your life of taking the best of what God has given you and make sure that you are an extension in giving. And I believe, I didn't talk to Paul personally. He's, you know, he's not alive anymore. He's alive in heaven, but not here. But here's what I see in Paul's heart with regards to scripture. Paul knew that it's really easy in this life to become inconsistent. 
But if we can get into a rhythm and live a life of generosity on a weekly basis, then that will flow for the rest of our lives. And so Paul was looking and saying, hey guys, I appreciate that you know you can hold it until I get there, but my worry is you're gonna fall out of a rhythm of what and how God wants to use you in your life. So I would encourage you to automate what's important and that's God's and that's his. And so you need to begin to automate it. On October 28th, 2013, I switched my automatic giving from First Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, my 10%, and I switched it to Ocean View Baptist Church. And it was really, really important to me. It's important for you to know that I tithe. I've tithed since day one that I got here. I'm not saying that to brag and lord it over. I'm saying it because I believe that if your leader is not willing to do a biblical principle, you won't be willing to do it either. And so on that day, I automatically did it because I feared not God putting his hand on me, but God taking his hand off me. How could I as a pastor at a new church walk into a church, ask God to come in and bless my life if I wasn't willing to trust him with that which is most important in this culture? And so I released it. And ever since that date, I automated it. And it's been there ever since. And for those of you who say, Terry, that's my step. I've been giving, but I need to automate it. I need to, every week, I need to make sure it's consistent. I wanna encourage you to sign up. And you can text the word Ocean View to 77977. You can follow the prompts and you can set it automatically to make sure that you don't miss. Because again, it's between you and God, not you and a church. Those of you that are doing that, that's your step. For those of you that are already automated, those of you that are doing that and you're sitting here saying, this is easy, Terry, I'm feeling pretty good about this message. I got a third one because did you know? And Okay, if you're, if you're not a Christian or if you're just new to Christianity, turn, just cover your ears. Seriously. Did you know that 10% is the least of what you're supposed to give biblically? Did you know that actually biblically you're supposed to give more than that? And this is the third category. If you're giving your tithe, what God requires of all of us, me included, is we need to look for opportunities to give offerings. I'm gonna show you this. Seek offering opportunities. This comes from the book of Leviticus. Now, wake up because this is really cool. If you ever wanted to know how much God loved and cared for social justice, those of you that are big in social justice movement, you love the idea of people getting into the community and meeting needs. If you are like this, did you know God is the best at it? I want to show you this. This comes from Leviticus 23, Take a look. When you harvest your crops, the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. Pay attention. And do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Did you know this? That after the landowner would go in and pick the tenth of his best of his crop, and he would give that to the Lord, then the workers of the field would go ahead and harvest the rest so that they can have it. But they were not to touch the edges of the field. And if they dropped anything, they were not to pick it up. They were to leave it. And then on the evenings, when the workers were done with their day, then those widows... Did you know that to be a female in biblical times was so difficult if you were a widow? It was basically a death sentence because you were like property back then. And if you didn't have a husband and you didn't have support, you had no resources, good luck. And God knew this at this time in this culture. So guess what God did? He allowed for a way for those that had none to go and they could glean from the corners of the field 
as much as they had need. And so if you were living in that time, you would see in the evening times, widows, foreigners, and orphans out in the fields on the corners. They couldn't go in the middle, but they could stay in the corners. And that was God's way of providing for them. And that gives us the picture of what an offering is for us. That when the body of Christ, and that's us as the church, when we see a need and we see someone beside us that's suffering and God prompts our heart, he's saying, Terry, you need to leave the corners of your field open. Terry, you need to open your hand and you need to bless. In the church, there's a couple of ways that we do this. First, we do this in missions. When we hear of ways in which we can go around this world and to be a part of what God's doing, then we leave and we give an offering to go towards missions. Every fifth Sunday in this church, we take an offering for benevolence. Did you know on a consistent basis every single month there are members of our church and those in the community that can't afford a power bill, that can't afford food, that can't afford a lot of different items that they need to survive? And do you know that they come into this church and because of your offerings, it allows an individual. We don't believe in giving handouts. We believe in giving hands up. And we believe in building bridges for individuals because all of us find ourselves at times struggling And if not the church, then who to reach in at that time and be the extension of God's hand to say, God loves you. And this is a way to bridge you in this gap. And so for those of you who are tithing, it might be that you have to open up your eyes a little bit more and you need to look for the opportunities to be able to give an offering to bless others. That might be your step today. But that's not the last one. And this one's hard for me because I know what this feels like. There's a fourth step of giving. And when you are living a life of generosity, you know what this is. You give till it hurts. Did you know that it's really easy to give out of our surplus? God knows it. It's really easy to give out a surplus. Where you really grow as a believer in Christ is when God calls you to give out of a sacrifice and not out of a surplus. And that's called sacrificial giving. I close with um, this story. I remember in First Baptist Church, Fort Lauderdale, I just began as a teacher. I could rub two nickels together. And I remember I was like most young people at that time, you know, you get a credit card and, and you, you just, you fall into debt. So I was in debt. And I remember looking at, my, at what my bills were and looking at everything else. I wasn't giving at the time. And I just was sitting there thinking, you know, how God, how can I get through this and everything else? And the truth is, in my spending plan, my budget, I could have cut many discretionary items. I had enough resources to get me out of debt. God had already provided enough for me. I just didn't want to live that way. So I sat there, and on a Saturday, I'll never forget it, out of the blue, um, a bonus from the school that I was working. I did something extra for them. And out of the blue, on a Saturday, I got a check for $200. And I said, yes! I was so excited because I could pay off this debt. Oh, yes, 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 this is awesome, God. You're great. God is awesome. Next morning, Sunday, I went to church. I was sitting in a classroom full of young adults. And I remember sitting there, and I was so excited, and I was telling others, oh, God, I got a bonus in the $200. This is going to be awesome. This is great. This is awesome. This is great. True story. Teacher gets up and says, hey, I have a guest speaker. I just We need to pray for her. And uh, I want to introduce her. And her name's Sherry. And Sherry got up and she standing in front of the room. And Sherry began to share how she was about to go on the mission field. That God had called her to missions. And she had been raising support. And today was her last day to raise support for it to be due to send in. 
And a true story, she looked at the group and said, so many of you have already given and I just want to say thank you. And, uh, and someone said, well, you know, have you raised all your support? And she says, well, she goes, actually, no, I'm $200 short. So you know what I did like a good young Christian? I sat there and said, if I sit long enough, someone else is going to pony up for the 200 bucks. Just being honest. And do you know, nobody did because most in that room had already given. So at the end of the class, I had back then still checkbooks. So I had my checkbook out and I, I think I wrote two checks because I think the first one, I was so mad at having to write it. I messed up and I had to write another one and I wrote a $200 check and I gave it to the teacher and I said, look, I don't want her to know that I gave it because I don't want, I want her to know that it's from God. You know, the great thing about it. And here's what, here's what God can do. I knew her as a friend. She came up after church and she had tears streaming down her face. And she said, somebody gave the last $200 out of nowhere. What an amazing blessing. Can you, Terry, can you believe this? And I said, that's amazing what God can do. She's still a missionary today. And every time I see her name and every time I pray for her, there's a part of me that is a part of her mission. When you give out a sacrifice, and did I, looking at my life today and how God has blessed, that $200, back then it meant a lot, but in the grand scheme of God's plan, oh my gosh, how that $200 has been invested far greater than I could have ever imagined. So for some of you today, God's calling you to sacrifice. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for this message. And God, you know me. I just um, struggled with how to communicate this message because, Lord, the truth is this is not about a church or a pastor and people. This is about our responsibility, mine included, to have a heart of generosity and open hand to be able to be who you've called us to be in a dark world. And every time that we open up our hands and every time we're an extension of what your resources are, you shine a light and bring people to you. So God, forgive us. Forgive us because we think at times that our resources are ours. Forgive us, Father, when we don't consider you in our spending. So God, I pray for the individual who's struggling today, whose heart is pounding um, just like crazy. God, I pray that you would speak to it. Pray that you would encourage that individual today to trust you. God, I pray for the person who wants to take that 90-day challenge. God, I know it will be the best decision they've ever made in their life because all of it, all it is is taking a step of trust of faith in you. So, Father, whatever you call us to do, I pray that we do it. And I pray that you'd receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.